Well, let me welcome to the program, Michael Litchens. Michael is the editor and uh, does interviews like this about various books from Sophia Institute Press. Michael, welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me today. Michael, I just want to start off by saying something. I'm older than you. So. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot older than you. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Let me tell you how old I am. Okay, so Michael, sure. you are an editor at Sophia Institute Press. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the name John Barger mean anything to you? Oh, yes. Ah, he's a legend. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's a legend that I knew. Okay, so there you <laughs> go. That's how old I am. Okay, so 1989, I met John at St. Marie Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And oh, on the west side parish. of Manchester, yeah. New Hampshire, he's not a guy that's easy to miss. And why would I? Why would I say that, Michael? He is much taller than I am, <laughs> and uh, just has a very large presence. Uh, I actually attended his parish as well at Our Lady of the Cedars. I would see him there pretty often. So he's a great guy. Great guy, a very tall man and a very large family. Oh, yes. So, oh, yes. So, a large presence in a lot of ways. And I can remember again way back in the late 80s, um, meeting John and hearing this vision for developing Sophia Institute Press. And even back then, there was this sense of there are treasures that are hidden Mm -hmm. in our tradition that ought to be recovered and brought into the present moment in order to let the the treasures of our tradition have an impact today. Is is that a fair way of describing at least the the origin of Sophia Institute Press? It's not just our origin. I'd say it's our foundation. Uh, We do have new authors. We are publishing new authors who are still alive and among us, thankfully, but we do have it as a big part of our foundation to reach back, find classics of spiritual works. A lot of times it's saints, but every once in a while we'll find a 20th century priest who really spoke to a particular time and place that speaks to us a little too well at times. Well, and I love that. It's a, uh, I, I have loved to promote uh, Sophia Institute press through the years. And um, uh, the way that I described the foundation that you called the foundation of, of mm-hmm. Sophia Institute uh, Press is, is recovering what has been uh, a richness that is in our tradition that's been lost sight of today. And, mm-hmm. and that, for me, I think describes beautifully, uh, poignantly, the, the book that we're here to discuss, which is The Precious Gift of Old Age. The Precious Gift of Old Age, How to Make the Golden Years the Best Years of Your Life. First of all, that is a very prophetic, not pathetic, prophetic (laughs) title, Um, The Precious Gift of Old Age. Because if I was thinking someone's going to tell me, oh, I'm going to send you a book on old age, I don't think I would have used the phrase precious gift Mm -hmm. with the idea of describing it. So so first of all, tell me about this book, The Precious Gift of Old Age. Well, I joked with my coworkers that they were giving it to me because I'm going to be entering my 40s pretty soon, which is uh, roughly middle age for my demographic. But uh, Michael, that was a very unwise thing to say. You obviously are not that old. If you said that to me, okay, really, Mm. I mean, that is that is a very painful thing to say to a guy who has crested way beyond his 40s and is well into and, and is approaching the end of his 50s. Okay, so. The next time you do this interview, don't use that line. Okay. So <laughs> I presume you're going to live a lot longer than I will. So, you know, <laughs> that is funny. All right. Go ahead. So, oh, yeah. uh, so this was a book that obviously came to your attention. The, the author is a Jesuit, Father John Lafarge. Yeah. Uh, tell me about this. Sure. So, Father Lafarge was one of those great uh, early 20th century Jesuits we just don't have anymore. He was very orthodox, very well spoken. Spoke and read in four languages, I believe, regularly, plus had a few more. Jesuits, Jesuit. He got very involved in racial justice in the middle 20th century when he just saw a lot of the horrors that were going on around him. And that's often how his name is recognized. But he wrote a lot of spiritual work. And this book came out of a article he published when he was turning 70. And it was reflecting on the gifts that he's found through old age. Uh, 
and he challenged people after that article and the response in this book, which he wrote at 84 years old, to really look at aging, the diminishment of our body, the, you know, the health issues, the loneliness, and to see that even beyond the challenges, there is a precious gift and that God, like he does with so much suffering and evil, he can take those and bring out great good, not just for you, but for everyone that is around you and for generations to come after you. Well, Michael, when you think about it, I don't think we have uh, an easy way of describing the different stages of life. One Mm -hmm. way I've heard it said, uh, bear with me, I'll let you use this one, okay, is that the stages of life are roughly this. We believe in Santa Claus. We don't believe in Santa Claus. (laughs) We become Santa Claus. And we look like Santa Claus. So there you go. There's the, there's the, there's the stages in life. And I'm, I'm approaching that final stage in my life where if I appeared and I mm-hmm. stopped coloring my hair, then I would look like Santa Claus. So it's, a, it's one of those things where for most people, growing old is a threat mm-hmm. and growing old is a curse. And growing yes. old is something that we attempt to put off with as much uh, uh, vigor as we can in order to somehow grab a hold of the sand falling through our fingers, which is the vitality of life is now somehow moving into a stage that is only marked by negative factors. And, And so the idea of the precious gift of old age is just something that strikes people as, as, um, as not just paradoxical, but um, not easy to understand. And so I, I want to say this, folks, if you're listening or watching this, um, this interview right now with Michael Lichens, this book is amazing. This precious gift of old age, how to make the golden years the best years of your life. It is a wonderful treatment of fundamental themes to help someone living in this moment in history to recover beautiful Catholic and deeply human insights mm-hmm. into these, these, these golden years, right? The being seasoned citizens, uh, not just senior citizens, um, that there is something that is very precious about living in, in these older years. So as we unfold this book and draw upon the insights of Father Lafarge, uh, I'm excited to, to present these to you folks to help you maybe get a whole new mindset, a beautifully and wonderfully Catholic mindset into um, the, the concept of old age. Yes. And Father Lafarge points out that there's also a courage in growing old. There's a courage in accepting the gift of life that God has given you, even as it gets longer, as our bones hurt a little more as our back gives out, you know, all these things that can happen to us, there's a courage in saying that this is still beautiful and it is still God's amazing gift to us. And if we can endure that, we can actually respect the courage in the old men who and women who are still among us, even into their 80s or 90s. I am talking to Michael Lichens. Michael is uh, the editor and he's someone who does interviews like this quite a bit for Sophia Institute Press. And I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to give out the website. You'll see it if you're watching the video, uh, the web page on Sophia Institute that's going to show you how to order the book, The Precious Gift of Old Age. Just go to sophiainstitute.com and then on the new releases page, you'll get right down to The Precious Gift. There are other ways to get there as well. Uh, Michael, you mentioned um, the the last chapter, the title of it, which yes. is Courage in Old Age. I want to go back to the first chapter, which is Please. Growth Through Diminishment. Let's sort of start at the beginning, because I think that lots of folks, when they think about old age, that's really the natural thing to start with, is that um, I'm diminishing. But we yes. don't often think about the concept of diminishing in relationship to the concept of growth. We think of it in, in terms of the opposite, right? So how do those two concepts, growth, and diminishment hold together or find a happy meeting in old age? Well, for one, it is part of God's natural order and plan. We don't always understand it. I, well, speaking personally, I never understand it, but we do acknowledge and can know that it is part of God's plan. But we also see it in so many other parts of our life. Uh, we have that phrase from St. Paul that I must decrease so that Christ can increase. 
And there's a sense that when you are getting through to the end of life, through the old age, the golden years, you're now at a point where you're having to see the diminishments that are happening. But what Father Lafarge is encouraging you is to look beyond those and to be thankful for them, the struggle. It's a very Catholic concept to be thankful in the struggle because we know they are making you stronger and they're going to make you wiser for a lot of us who need that wisdom right now. Mm-hmm. It's funny because you mentioned John 3.30, right? He must mm-hmm. increase while I must decrease. And and I, I loved that passage. In fact, uh, it was my motto. It was my scriptural motto yes. in the college I graduated from. And for me in that younger time, like in my early 20s, he must increase while I must decrease. There's a sort of a bold, uh, I'm going to conquer the world because Jesus is going to be bigger in me. And so this he must increase part is is much more the emphasis than I must decrease, which is more about, oh, I'm going to decrease in uh, my pride and, and things like that. But now that I'm at the, I'm on the other side of life. Now I'm mm-hmm. in the second half. That when I think about, he must increase while I must decrease. It's more about things like detachment, and exactly. uh, you know, a fundamental aspect of of growing in holiness is being detached from the world, being detached from the things of this world, the things that were easy to value or to pursue or to um, make a priority. It's like, you know, those things are not really serving me very well. When the things that really matter, the Mm -hmm. Lord, relationships, family, that if those those, uh, temptations, those diversions, if I can detach myself from those, if those can decrease in my life, I'm in fact going to increase. There's going to be an enrichment. And exactly. I have to say, yes, it's true. It, it's not easy. It is no. a kind of death, but it's true. It's very true. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm remembering something from the Desert Fathers, which is to learn to die before your, before your death so that it will be easier. I'm butchering those quotes, pardon me, but it's, a wonderful line that just is a affirmation that we have to die several times in our life. We have to give up some parts of ourselves that we thought were valuable, that we idolized. And then I, as we go on, hopefully as we age, we learn these lessons, but we learn that there is something much more important than the treasures we have here on earth. Yeah. I think was it uh, one of the saints was described that he died every day that he lived something yes. like that. Right. Uh, and the memento mori, you put the skull mm-hmm. on the desk, right. That's rem- remember remembrance of death. Uh, but I think that there's a, uh, I'm going to go all the way back to, to Socrates, this idea that life is preparation for death. Mm. And, um, and by that, that's not a, it's, that's not a sad statement. Life is preparation for death. The way that I understand it is that life is all about learning how to trust and entrust, learning how to give myself over to. And the one that we are called upon to give ourselves over to each and every day is the Lord, is God. And so that idea of surrendering and entrusting myself into the hands of God that's not easy when it comes to how am I going to pay the bills and what's happening in my kids' yes. lives and are my wife and I going to be able to overcome this challenge and what's going on with the world and the sense of saying, Lord, I trust you. You are a provident God. You'll take care of me. That idea of fundamental trust that I'm going to give myself over to you is really preparing me for that day when I'm going to be asked to make the most complete, final and um, uh, complete final and total giving of myself over to God. And that's death. That life is preparation yes. for death. Death as a positive act, not about the ending of life here on earth, but that act by which I fully give myself over to the Lord in, in that act of final full giving, that that can be the, the greatest act of the, the, the most complete act of the most important act of my life, which is that fundamental entrustment of oneself to God. Absolutely. And amen to all that. You're reminding me of something. I, uh, I love memento mori. I truly, truly do. But 
it's reminded of something I was meditating upon and thinking about and how that it was from St. Francis. There we go. How death is that one true universal experience. We all have to face it sometimes numerous times throughout our life, but our own personal death will be when we have our particular judgment. And I think you described it right. It's the next conversion. It's the next dying to self to bring Christ into it. Yes. You know, Michael, I, uh, so I've, I've been blessed with nine children and oh, God will love um, you. Yes. I've reached a stage. And one of the stages I've reached is that I have mm-hmm. two boys, uh, 16 and 15. Now, don't tell them I said this. I've never said this out loud to <laughs> them, but I think they've reached the stage. I, I still say the word think that's how proud I am where they can beat me one-on-one in basketball. Now, that that doesn't sound like a big deal to you, right? But that's a big deal to me where they've never Mm -hmm. been able to beat me one-on-one in basketball. But I think they've reached that stage. And and now now here's the thing. Um, I can can see how my boys want to kind of come, come and say, I, I can better than I'm taller than you. I'm stronger than you. I'm faster than you. I can beat you. Right. <laughs> and how for a long time, for a lot of years, this was not something that I, I was like, Oh yeah, bring it on. But now I'm at a point where I, I relish it. I enjoy it. I watch, I, I love watching my boys go further than I could. And, and that idea of diminishment mm-hmm. is an enrichment because I'm focused not on how am I going to grow and get bigger, better, stronger, faster, up and to the left, right? That whole trend, like how do you go up and to the left with your whole life? Uh, but rather, um, how, how am I going to help the ones that come after me go further? How do I let them stand up and shine forth. I think that's part of what growth through diminishment is, is what Father Lafarge is getting at in, in that chapter. At least for me, that's one profile of the experience. Absolutely. And he rested in the next chapter in hope, uh, the Christian notion of hope, one of our greatest teachings, which even now in our very chaotic world where I can't look at the news without getting a mild heart attack, there is still a hope that God is watching us, that he had created us for something and we're still fulfilling his duty each day he gives us to live. Yeah. Again, I'm talking with Michael Lichens. Michael is, is kind enough to be with me today on the program to be talking about this book, The Precious Gift of Old Age. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. I do encourage you to go to sophiainstitute.com. You can see on the screen, if you're watching this interview, the page that you can go and order the book directly. But if you go to sophiainstitute.com, sophiainstitute.com, click on new releases, you're going to get right to the book, The Precious Gift of Old Age, and you'll be able to order it in a paperback version or in a digital version. If you're not in a place where getting mail shipped to you is easy, I know folks are watching this even around the world, that you can get a digital version, easy to access and be able to be blessed by that book, The Precious Gift of Old Age, How to Make the Golden Years the Best of Your Life. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Again, I'm talking with Michael Lichens. Michael is, is kind enough to be with me today on the program to be talking about this book, The Precious Gift of Old Age. Okay, so in the second chapter, it's called Our Steadfast Hope. And I thought of something that was written in um, St. Augustine. St. Augustine, he talked about the difference between Adam and Eve and, uh, and us in relationship to hope. And it was this, he said that Adam and Eve had the possibility of not dying, that in their preternatural state, in the state before the fall, they were gifted with the possibility of not dying. But after the fall, when death entered the world, not part of God's plan. So there's always a sting connected to death. 
He said, there's only one state that is a state of despair on, on earth. And he said, the state of despair for those after the fall would be if it was impossible to die. So you go from the possibility of not dying as the state God had offered you to being the worst condition would have the mm-hmm. impossibility of dying. And, and you think about it, you say, why, why would that be a, a, a condition of no hope? Well, because you're stuck. <laughs> you're stuck in a fallen world. And all of a sudden now death isn't this horrific end to life. No, it's hope. It's the path out, the path beyond the fallen world to the fullness of redemption. I love that that quote from Augustine. And Augustine's a perfect man to bring up. He's mentioned a lot by Father Lafarge. Uh, One thing I I was making that joke about 40s being that weird age, but Augustine started his confessions at 43 because he was during that age where his mind was more contemplative and he was wondering, what have I done and how am I the man I'm going, I'm now, what can I be, do to be the man I need to be? And uh, that's me really over summarizing the confessions, but you hit the nail on the head also talking about the resurrection. That is where our ultimate hope comes from is that we like Christ can endure the sting of death and following after Christ, we can conquer death with him. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, if we, if we don't, you know, what is it, if we, if we believe that death is the end, that we're people Mm -hmm. with no hope, right. And if we, if there is no resurrection, then we are the most foolish of people. Uh, And, and the beautiful gift of, of being Catholic with access to the sacraments is that we get to have a foretaste, a share even now in that new life as children of God. And so we begin to even taste now the joy of the world to come, the joy of union with the father through the son and the spirit. And I honestly think Michael, that one of the reasons why we um, avoid death and the theme of death is that we mistake the joy that is the reality of union with God mm-hmm. as children of God with this earth yes. rather than with that, which is just a foretaste of our true home, which is heaven. Mm-hmm. And, and I think because of that, you know, the experience of home, the experience of meaning, the experience of, of life that uh, is part of living today, uh, it can be something that makes us want to attach even more. And when we misinterpret really the, the deepest, the deepest experiences of, of love, of life, of freedom, of joy are really a beckoning call to the fullness of life with which comes only through and beyond death. Uh, amen to that. And like we mentioned before, part of life is going through death. It's that final act we have to unite ourselves with Christ. And thankfully Christ already provided us the path. He overcame death. We can do it with him. And uh, that's always going to be the hope. And it also transcends into this present world, even though we won't feel the full joy, we'll miss the people that are gone. We have that expected hope for what awaits us at the end. Yeah. I remember my father-in-law, he was 85 years old when he went home to God and he would complain. And his complaint was, why is God not taking me home? Why do I have to stay alive? All my friends, they've already gone and now I'm stuck here. So he, his complaint, which was a really like a darling complaint rooted in faith was, why am I stuck? I mean, come on, God, like get me home. And that's one of the themes that shows up in the book uh, on this precious gift of old age is that as you get older, you'll notice, guess what? Some of the friends that you've aged with are no longer with you because they have died. They've, They've gone before you. And so the reality of Becoming alone is mm-hmm. is something that leads into that next chapter on the power of love is that yes. being alone can take one of two forms. It can be experienced as loneliness, and that's the pain of isolation mm-hmm. coming from that word island where I'm all alone by myself versus solitude, which is I'm all alone with God. 
And I think one of the gifts that this book, The Precious Gift of Old Age, offers is a way to move from the the terror of being alone as Mm -hmm. the experience of isolation. I'm stuck by myself and it is so painful to be by myself. It's depressing. It's, 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 it's It's a terrible experience to, no, no, it's solitude. It's an opportunity to commune with God through his creation, through the memories he's given me, and through the beauties of the things that are around that are much simpler. The frenzy of life is passing. And I can focus now on what really matters, loving the Lord and being loved by the Lord, loving others and being loved by others. That's a great summation of all the Christian work. As best you can make it, it's a hard one. Because as you talked about, especially that isolation that can happen, not just to our age at all. We're in a lonely age. Uh, One of the most incredible parts of this book is Father Lafarge was seeing that in 1963, that we were living in an isolating, atomistic age that was slowly pushing us all into isolation. And uh, he could only see what it looked like now. I don't know what he would say, but it was something he saw coming and it's something we're going to have to deal with. And it's a challenge also in this book for all of us who like you and I, who still have our minds, our bodies, some sense of leisure to remember the people around us who might be suffering from loneliness and to remember to reach out to them as we would like someone to reach out to us when we're lonely. Yeah. I mentioned my father-in-law. Well, my mother-in-law, she had a, a great sense of mission to um, to nursing homes. So now this was, you go back 30 years, they called them nursing homes, right? Now senior yeah. living facilities and, and all these other names for these different kinds of facilities where more and more of the aged who are living longer because of the advances in medical technology mm-hmm. um, are facing, again, being together, but by themselves. So that yes. sense of isolation, that can be so, such a great suffering. So she, my wife, Um, was part of a family of 12 kiddos. And so her mom would troop them over to the, um, to this, to the, uh, the nursing homes that were nearby. And they would just spend time being with these older folks. And, you know, you you can imagine all the stories of the way they would light up the way that they would just, again, come alive because Mm -hmm. now they had someone to say, I see you. I'm with you. I value you, not because of anything you're doing for me, but just because of who you are. Exactly. Uh, something I wish I still had activity doing in high school, I would visit homes and meet with the elderly. And I loved it as a high school kid. I really didn't feel like it was service. A lot of times I was just playing card games and I loved it. But you see that, that sense of like, okay, I, you're treating me like another human being that you delight in. And that's one of the greatest gifts you can give people. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it doesn't it go back to the fundamental reality that we're created in the image of God. That's a Trinity of persons and we're made therefore for a communion of persons. And I think about that um, quite a bit. My wife, Carrie and I, we talk about that quite a bit that, if we're going to foster and fulfill the vocation we have as not just husband and wife, but as mother and father, mm-hmm. it's to foster a communion of persons in our home. And St. John Paul II, he wrote a couple of essays about that. Before he became Pope, it was marriage as a communion of persons and the family as a communion of persons. And it, in, in it, 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 I found great content to form my mind to say, okay, it's not about just having our family have stuff, live in certain locations, get access to certain experiences, but rather to form and foster in them attitudes and behaviors and a way of seeing life that said, learn how to be together well as siblings, learn how to enjoy each other, focus on each other, lift each other up learn how to play, learn how to work together, right? All of those things that, that really are 
make us come alive as yes. uh, the image of God, as a communion of persons, that that is what really endures. That's what endures beyond mm-hmm. the stuff, the vacations, the, yes. the, 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 oh, the, the car, the house, the, again, all of those things. No, if they don't lead to and flow from the richness of love as a communion of persons, then we're, we're missing out in, 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 in the most important ways. We certainly are. It, as you noted, it's, we're not an Island. We're not by ourselves down here. God didn't, he loves us and he loves us individually, but he loves more than just us. And he wants us to show his love to others. And that's a command you get it so often in the gospels. And yet a guy like me can still justify being a misanthrope. So I don't know how well that works, but it's true. We see God amongst each other and we are, should pray and worship with each other and bring Christ to one another. Yeah. Amen to that. Again, that's Michael Lichens. He's with me today to talk about the book, The Precious Gift of Old Age, How to Make the Golden Years the Best Years of Your Life. And I know that there are a lot of folks out there that are in your golden years. You are out there, (laughs) but I'm going to guess you haven't received a lot of guidance that is drawn from the healthy sources of our tradition around how to live well, those golden years, how to live well, Uh, in those times of our lives that we could even say old age is a precious gift, the precious gift of, uh, of old age. The, the book again is written by a Jesuit father, John Lafarge. And if you go to the Sophia Institute website, sophiainstitute.com, you're going to see a bunch of amazing books and other resources that are there, including under that very simple uh, category of new releases, you'll be able to see the book, the precious gift of old age, how to make the golden years the best years of your life. Again, I'm talking with Michael Lichens. Michael is is kind enough to be with me today on the program to be talking about this book, The Precious Gift of Old Age. So coming back to the the five main sections of the book, Michael, uh, society's responsibility. Um, I think about this in ways that were probably hard for Father Lafarge to imagine when I think about what is happening in um, this, a state like I'm in Washington state. And mm. sadly, tragically, 10 years ago, they passed an initiative called Death with Dignity. And I called it Death Without Dignity. When we raised up an effort to come against this, we're talking mm-hmm. about an, uh, an, an initiative to legalize physician-assisted suicide. And it was a terrible, terrible thing marked by lies, just but lies that were rooted in a way of thinking about old age and about diminished health. That somehow, if my life diminishes in health to such a degree where the only horizon that is in front of me or the likely horizon is death, happening in, 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 in a short time window or shorter window, possibly, mm-hmm. then you know what? Let's make death happen in a way that's comfortable and easy. And that was such a sadness, the, the lies that were spread and, and sadly it became law. Um, and so many people over the course of the last decade have ended their lives with the help of physicians who are supposed to do no harm. And in doing so, there's been a deep loss. And I think it's the loss that Father Lafarge talks about in that chapter of society's responsibility. And and here's how I'm going to say it. And I want you to respond. When we found a counter message to death, what I call death without dignity, um, it, uh, it, it was, being true compassion advocates. That was the phrase. And there were some wonderful Catholic folks who stood up and said, we need to offer true compassion. And there was a whole initiative called true compassion advocates to say, by walking with those whose life and health has diminished, they are offering a gift to us. And that gift is, We get to love them. 
We get to pour into them. We get to walk with them and provide what they need to be able to experience their dignity of being human beings. It was, it was very powerful to talk about that, that to, to experience compassion, to suffer with is a very important lesson for life. And, and frankly, the elderly and those in frail health offer that gift to those of us who have vigor in life and who have, uh, who have the fullness of health. Absolutely. Uh, as Father Lafarge talks about, when we consider responsibilities, there's the responsibilities we have among each other, but to each other. And we need, we can find that all the way back to the Acts of the Apostles. The Apostles, when they had aged members, you know, St. Peter's getting into his 60s now, they didn't put him in a home. They didn't put him on an iceberg and float him away. They kept him as part of the community. They looked after him. They looked after his health. They helped him to travel. And this happened with all the aged members, not just the first of the apostles. And this is a pattern we see repeated throughout. Uh, Bishops, of course, you know, they do have a retirement age, but their service and joy is still valuable to us. John Paul II was a great great symbol of life as he faced his age with true dignity and also showed us what true compassion can look like walking a mile after someone walking two miles after someone asks you to walk one and if we can look back to the old acts of the apostles in the early christian communities and remember that they're not we're not just giving them the gift of our love of our service their memories their experiences the stories they can tell serious or funny they're the gift that we will pass on from generation to generation yeah i i, I think it's a chinese proverb it may be like a native american proverb it was something like when an elder dies you lose a library mm. when an elder dies you lose a library and uh the book uh, the precious gift of old age references um uh in different sections, uh, stories that talk about the way in which uh, the elderly are uh, reverenced in so many communities in, in, in the history of the world, because they see further. They see further because of literally life experience. And so life experience has a way of, of condensing uh, what, what can just live in our minds, Michael, as information. It might be correct, but it's not yet wisdom. And so wisdom comes from the fire. It comes from the fire of, of losses and victories, uh, mm-hmm. you know, lessons learned. And, and so there's a way in which I, I appreciate listening to my dad, who's almost 90, um, and my mother-in-law, who's over 90. And, and when I talk to them about things, sometimes they'll just smile. They'll just smile. And they're like, you just don't get it yet. You know, you might have great words, but you don't get it really because you don't see deeply enough into it. You haven't seen far enough. And and I find myself, I realize I'm starting to shift into that as well, because I'll talk to to folks that are just starting off in their married lives in their 20s. And um, and I'll just smile. And I'm like, yeah, you don't you you might even be using the right words, but you'll you'll see, you'll learn. <laughs> I'm becoming one of those people. I can't believe it, Michael. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's man. happening right in front of me. It's terrible. See, there it is. There it is. It's terrible, right? Rather than saying, no, there's a gift here. Yes. There's a gift here. And how do I see this as a gift? And how do I hand that on as a gift? Absolutely. And I think one of those ways is that very language, seeing it as a gift. Uh, We've been talking this whole conversation about the various gifts that life itself is a gift from the creator, but seeing that the wisdom, the information that you have and the experience that itself is a gift to all of us who are still living and will have to live in this world just a little longer. Mm -hmm. Well, and Michael, again, I'm talking with Michael Lichens. He is an editor at Sophia Institute Press, as well as uh, does many interviews like this to help promote books, especially from a, a book like Father John Lafarge, who's not here to give us uh, his own uh, insights into the book, but he is home with the Lord in heaven. We pray for the repose of his soul. Um, and the book is called The Precious Gift of Old Age, How to Make the Golden Years the Best Years of Your Life. There's a final section in this book, and you, you alluded to it earlier about the courage yes. to grow old. 
and uh, courage in old age. And I think that that is, again, a very important theme for a lot of folks who are listening to somehow mm-hmm. think, well, what's my contribution? What's my contribution? And I think that um, our contribution, the contribution of those who are older, in part, is literally to allow yourself to be served, to allow yourself to be taken care of, to allow yourself in your limits to let others who have an abundance to be able to take care of you. And um, I know in the society's responsibility section, he talked about especially women would be those who find themselves alone in their older age because they outlive men and how it is a responsibility for us to do that. But to have courage, even in those time periods, that's not an easy thing for people to access. So Michael, is there any insight in that section of the book that you found particularly helpful or that you'd want to highlight right now? Actually, it's almost to the very end of that chapter. And it's some simple advice uh, to quote, if by chance death comes suddenly and announce and who can be sure it won't, it will not then find us unprepared. If its approach is gradual, if we have learned to die a little, as well as to live a little, it will become as a friend. Our own terminal amen will ring true as a response to the creator's primal amen that sent us into the world. And that's speaking to something we've been talking about this whole time. The courage to face life each and every day, to accept it as a gift, but also to die a little, to have your little deaths now so that the big one at the end isn't truly shocking, even if it does come to us very very suddenly and without warning. Yes. Uh, That's a beautiful comment, Michael. It's very poetic. I'm talking today with Michael Lichens. Michael is uh, the editor for Sophia Institute Press. And I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to give out the website. You'll see it. It's going to show you how to order the book, The Precious Gift of Old Age. Just go to sophiainstitute.com. And then on the new releases page, you'll get right down to The Precious Gift. There are other ways to get there as well. I, again, one of the things I I enjoyed about um, this book by Father Lafarge is his writing style is very accessible. Yes, it, it really is. It, it's it's an enjoyable thing to read. He with the anecdotes and he draws upon the scriptures. He draws upon um, the, the lives of saints. Um, great story. Uh, I, I love the St. Patrick story about the the king who's trying to, or the prince who's trying to impress him and sends the golden bowl to him. And what does he say? Thanks be to God. And, and the, the courier goes back and said, what did St. Patrick say? He said, thanks be to God. And that's it. Go, go, go get the bowl back. And <laughs> he goes and, and takes the bowl back from St. Patrick. And what did, what did St. Patrick say when they said, give me the, that beautiful gold bowl back. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, what a great story. That sense of, again, detachment, that sense mm-hmm. of uh, the, the, the sort of cycle or the flow of life from um, moving in, into a time where we're in youth and then we're moving into adulthood. And then we have those years where we're in that full vibrancy and, and we're contributing. And then we move into a stage of a different way to contribute. I, I would say this, one of the important ways that the elderly contribute is through their intercessory capacity, oh, yeah, the, no, yeah. through the ability that you have brothers and sisters that, that are older and that you're by yourself to, to make of your life an oblation, a, a sacrifice of intercession for those you love. And I know that many older folks are suffering their kids along a path of redemption through their suffering, fostering redemptive graces in their grandkids' lives, in their great-grandkids' lives. And, and you see that courage in some of the older folks who say, I don't want a quick and painless death. I want a death that is useful to the Lord for the salvation of my kids, my grandkids, uh, the, the generations to come. And if that means an extended time of suffering and of, of, of difficulties, I, I want that. I want that because that's a very beautifully fruitful use of yes. these final years. 
But again, that you say that out loud, it sounds it sounds weird, right? It sounds masochistic, uh, masochistic. Like, uh, you know, I, somehow I just want to bring pain to myself and, and it's no, it's right. not, it's not, it, that's not, it's redemptive. It's redemptive because it's also acknowledging the reality of life. Like no matter what Elon Musk or Jeff, Jeff Bezos does, we're probably going to face death. They will too. Mm-hmm. And with that comes a lot of uncomfortable realities and we'll, we also then have a choice. We can't decide what calamities can befall us, but we can decide our response to them. And that's where the gift of free will can come in and really churn something that can feel oppressive or, as you said, masochistic, and churn it into a beautiful thing for God. Yeah. So, Michael, you mentioned Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos or other technocrats who have a transhumanistic <laughs> approach. Yes, exactly. And, and it's, a, um, it, it's something that I didn't get until someone laid it out very simply. And this is sort of maybe a great place to transition towards the end and, and focus again on the value of a book like The Precious Gift of Old Age. Mm. Um, and it's this, that transhumanism is essentially, uh, it has a goal, which is to avoid death. And to avoid death, because if, 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 if God is taken out of the picture, then death is the biggest threat because death is the end of consciousness. And so let's find ways through technology to conquer the last enemy. So if we can find a way to take a severed head and keep it alive through some kind of cyborg reality, or now the way that you hear about transhumanism, it's let's upload consciousness into the digital Mm -hmm. realm so that my own sense of self will continue with all of my memories uploaded, all of my existence uploaded into the metaverse or into a digital world, that somehow that's a dignified way of continuing life. When for me, it sounds like the horror of Augustine that said that the only despairing state is the state of one who has no possibility of dying. If it's impossible for you to die because you've been uploaded into a digital realm, that would be absolutely a nightmare. That sounds like hell. (laughs) Right. Uh, And there's been a lot of science fiction writers who have played around with that idea and they agree with us, even if they didn't have the full truth of the Catholic Church, they (laughs) saw what some of this can be. And I think it speaks to that larger fear we have. No matter how rich or powerful we get, we're at the mercy of so much in this universe Ultimately, as Catholics, we know we're at the mercy of the creator, of the almighty, but that is a terrifying thing to concede, especially if you're already, like a lot of these transhumanists are, if you're already used to money and power, getting you anything you want, whenever you want it, but you can't control death, you can't bribe it, you can't, you can maybe delay it a little bit, but it's going to happen no matter what we upload to the digital world. Well, and, and that's the, so that's the thing, Michael, it's, it's having a, a, a Catholic Christian scriptural and, and traditional understanding of death that in the light of faith, in the light of our good God who created this universe, who gave us the gift of life, he is going to shepherd us through mm-hmm. to the final fulfillment for which he created us. He's a provident God and coming to stay in a vital relationship with that provident God is the one that will help us be able to see the golden years as the best years, because the, the, the many, many concerns and frenzied life that is ours throughout the majority of our most productive years to be able to give way to a stage in life where we can focus more on meaning, on relationships, on love, that, mm-hmm. that that is rich. That's the richness. That that's that's what makes the the uh, the the eight the the years of being aged to be the mm-hmm. years that are the most golden. And and the precious gift of old age. That wonderful book by Father John Lagrange that we're here to talk about today. Um, it beautifully lays that out. So my final encouragement, folks, and then I'm going to give you a final word, Michael. Sure. Uh, is that. Uh, if, if you're moving towards older years, or if you're looking for resources to, to pass on to loved ones, who maybe are struggling with growing old or being old, pick up the book, The Precious Gift of Old Age, How to Make the Golden Years the Best Years of Your Life. 
It's on Sophia Institute's website, sophiainstitute.com, where again, I'm encouraging you. There's so many other books that are there, wonderful new resources, new releases coming out all the time. And I got excited just like I was finding your book on the website. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I want that one. Oh, I want that one. I want that one. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but today we're focused on the precious gift, how to make the golden years the best of your, the precious gift of old age, how to make the golden years the best of your life. Um, wonderful gift or a wonderful uh, resource for you, brothers and sisters, yes. if you want to be fed, not by what modern contemporary media is going to tell you, but fed by the riches of our tradition to help have a sense of, of refreshment and life in that stage of life. Michael, I'll give you a final word. What would you like to, what do you want to end with in this time that we have together? Absolutely. As somebody who is who has been reading this with my own parents and things like that. I'm not quite middle-aged despite my jokes, but uh, for me, it's still a valuable resource because a lot of things are coming to mind with my parents, but then that's being reflected on me and the people around me. So I encourage anyone, if you're at all thinking about any of these subjects personally or with other people, pick up this book. I also recommend uh, we republished a book a couple of years ago. It's the Art of Dying Well by St. Robert Bellarmine. That's another treasure that talks about a lot of similar subjects, but more looking to the very last thing. Well, and it's funny because I uh, I saw that there was a bundle. You could get that bundle oh, on Sophia good. Institute. Yeah, I was I wanting us to sell it here. as a I was wanting us to sell it as a bundle, so I'm glad we're doing that. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a bundle. Let's see if I can find it on here. It was down here. It is right here. See? Look ah, at that. perfect. You see, I, 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 the art of dying yeah. well. So I, I love St. Robert Bellarmine. Me too. Uh, well, I, I, you know, it's funny. It's like uh, there's a um, uh, there's a book by St. Alphonsus de Liguori called uh, Preparation for Death. Yes. And that, that's frankly a, a frightening book. <laughs> Sobering book. Yes. So if you're going to get that book or you're going to get the art of dying well, then get the book, The Precious Gift of Old Age. Okay. It's it's a wonderful compliment to these uh, to these other books that give you a sense of saying, do not face death unprepared. You do not yes. want an unprepared death. So the precious gift of old age is is a wonderful uh, way to help with that. Uh, Michael Litchens, thank you so much for taking time to be with me today uh, on the program. I really appreciate it. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation very much. Thank you, Tom. This was a joy, and I really hope that we touched a lot of hearts today. Yeah, amen to that. 